Welcome to episode 21 of Teachers Lift. In this episode, produced by our colleagues at HKUST, we're lucky enough to have our hosts, Tess and Levi, chatting with their colleagues, Kin Tang and Lisa Yu, about their work in blended learning. I'm sure that all those teachers out there struggling to adapt to the new normal brought about because of the pandemic are going to appreciate the insights that these two bring to the discussion. So now I'll turn things over to Tess and Levi. Have a great show, guys. Good luck. quite a lot these days um how's everybody how's life treating you well good i suppose we should start on a positive note here <laughs> and what about um, and what about you ken i know you've got two little ones that keep you pretty occupied how do you yeah manage? yeah it's uh, they're, they're, they're finally uh, gone back, back back to school uh so uh, i have a bit of time to uh do the zoom chat at home instead of always at the clubhouse or at the office so they must know you pretty well at the clubhouse uh, yes yes i i eat drink and breathe there i i think they don't want him there that often <laughs> <laughs> all right well anyway today we're here for a purpose and it's to discuss the uh, topic of blended learning uh, so while online learning or blended learning has been around for a long time, um, a confluence of events, including restructuring of universities, which affect modes of delivery, pandemics, and in the case of Hong Kong, the recent protest movements, it's resulted in a boom of innovations. And as we know, blended learning is a combination of face-to-face -face and online delivery of courses. But I feel that these courses are really the future as they address a number of needs. And these include uh, flexibility, efficiency in terms of resources, for example, classrooms, flexible use of time for both teachers and students. And finally, the use of technology, both in terms of devices, mobile phones, and also online resources. But there are problems and challenges. Uh, mainly things like keeping students motivated to do online work, maybe logistical issues. So today with both of you, because I know, for example, with uh, Lisa, you have a long experience in curriculum development. Um, you're originally, you know, from Malaysia, but you spread your wings across to Canada and Australia. Yay. <laughs> We have Ken here, who also has an eclectic background. He came to Hong Kong from the UK, and he actually has a background also in other areas, such as business and social work, as well as a vast experience also in blended learning. Um, the three of us, myself, Tess Hogue, we're all from the Center of Language Education, HKUST, Hong Kong University of Science and Technology. And we're part of a team, the ECORE team. 
headed by Lisa. Can I hear a cheer over here from Lisa? Yay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure it should be a cheer. Yes, she's a she's a leader. <laughs> yes, she's our leader, and she's been the the team has been charged with a very big job of introducing four new courses, specifically blended learning courses. Should I repeat that again? Four new courses for <laughs> yeah, any of us. Exactly <laughs> for any of us who are teachers. We know what it's like just to produce one lesson, let alone four new courses. These courses will replace existing first year undergraduate core courses, the bread and butter courses. So it's, it's a very big deal. Uh, and I'd like to get started on this discussion with a very, not a strange question, but a question that I've always wondered. And that is particularly in an undertaking so large. So let's say you've gone in, you've been given the job, and you're sitting there on the first day, and you have a blank screen in front of you. Where do you start? What's the organizational creative process that gets you started with all of this? Who'd like to take up this challenge first? I think Lisa, because she was there on first day. I wasn't there. I was on the second and third day. <laughs> Okay. when things were already sort of partially implemented. We actually have another very valuable member on the team, right? Rebecca Farmer. Unfortunately, she's, she's uh, you know, not, not here talking to people. I think she would be the person to really look into her thoughts, her mind, what was going through her mind at that point in time. For me, it was, oh my God panic 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 <laughs> what have we you know got ourselves into uh i think the the story was it was just going to be we're just going to design two courses rather than four remember kin and tess so i think at that point in time it was yeah it's unmanageable i've i've done i've you know designed many courses before i've uh, sort of uh, been given very tight deadlines projects that are you know required me to complete within a year but coming back to your question it was scary it was oh my god where do we start from that and I think uh, I have to thank Rebecca she was the one who was like, okay I've got these ideas now let's start from asking people let's check with all our different uh, stakeholders what do they want to see changed or what do they want to see to see in the new course well that's always a really good place to start with because i think that often we make assumptions when we first start an area particularly with blended learning if we've done our research uh, you know, we go in maybe looking at it a bit more academically and we often forget, oh, we should actually ask people. <laughs> yes. What, what do they think about? What, what do you think about that, Kim? Asking people first, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, just, just to uh, echo what Lisa mentioned, we, we call Rebecca the brains of the, uh, yeah. the whole, yes. the whole she operation. She definitely <laughs> is the brains of <laughs> the operation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're just the limbs and things. That, that <laughs> exactly. Um, 
but yeah, I, mean, I think I think asking questions and uh, is, is extremely important uh, when we get to know the true feelings of both students and teachers and coordinators as well to see, you know, what, what, what how can a course improve? How can it be better? But we also trust, I think, in our own instincts that, you know, we know our students and we, we, we I think the starting point with all courses, I think, is just to see how we can help them, see what their needs are, what do the first year students are going to be like on their first day and, and try and sort of, you know, help them along the way. So were there any surprises though, um, Ken when, and Lisa, when you, you got the responses back from the stakeholders? Not really, not really. I think Rebecca is a very experienced teacher. You know, I've been teaching, oh my God, better not tell you how long I've been teaching. <laughs> You'll know how old I am. Uh, yes. Lisa's only 21. <laughs> exactly, yes, yes. At heart, at heart. And Kim, so... I've so, been 21 a few times. <laughs> exactly. Oh, are you sure? I thought it was 18, Tess. Yeah. <laughs> Mainly 16. No, no, Mainly 16. <laughs> So, so I think, I think, no, the answer was not, no, uh, you know, earth shattering findings or surprises. Basically, our gut feeling, like Kin says, you know, were sort of confirmed, but we still had to take that first step, right? We can't just uh, impose what us, the writers, want to create on such a huge cohort of students and such a big group of teachers who will be teaching these four courses you know, in, the, in the near future. So how did the idea of blended learning um, come about in these courses? Well, I did give in my introduction you know, a little blurb about how important it is um, in terms of flexibility and looking at the future. These things can always be looked at after uh, the whole process, but during that pro, uh, process, I'm, I'm really curious to know, you know, who, who were the powers or where, the, where did the powers that be came, um, come up with uh, this idea of blended learning? Ask him that question. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not sure I can answer that. I, I... I mean, I, I, I think, uh, I think first of all, it's, it's a sort of general trend. Okay. When we look at how students learn, you know, they're watching videos on YouTube to learn how to do things. Uh, uh, they're doing things online all the time. It's just, it's just their world is, is online already. Um, secondly, I think, um, I think our new uh, director, uh, uh, Melinda is, is 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 quite versed in this area and wanted to introduce these kind of changes uh, as well to the centre. And I think it, it just makes common sense that, I mean, there are people who, you know, doubt the efficacy of blended learning or everything, but I don't think we can deny that students are operating online at a, at a lot of time, of their lives and their time. So, um I think this is the starting point, really. It's just to, to look at the trend of where, where students are and how we can engage with them. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Annette. And I think that, um, you know, by looking at this, uh, at the rise of technology, 
it's more than just simply we use mobiles or we use computers. It really changes the nature of knowledge and how that knowledge comes across. In that case, you know, what would you say are some of the main challenges that um, that have arisen out of out of this? I mean, from on my part, I can say it, it's really very challenging in terms of looking at being able to predict, you know, the outcome in in terms of how how is this a good learning experience? It it can change even the nature of ac uh, academic institutions. I know it's very broad, but maybe you can come up with some specific uh, challenges that you've uh, both had. Hmm. I think for me, uh, there I go again. You know, know which era I am from. <laughs> my my age. <laughs> It's not, it's not the Jurassic period. Uh, what, what's, what's even beyond that? <laughs> the Big Bang. <laughs> the Big Bang. Yes, exactly. Uh, I think for me, I was more concerned with the, the teaching, the teachers, you know, because coming from myself, we, we all especially experienced teachers, right? We have our own ways of doing things. We like our style. We like, you know, how our lessons should be conducted, what tools we use or not use. So I think my first thought was, okay, we've got to get <laughs> buy-in, I suppose I can say that, you know, from the teaching staff, especially people who may not be exposed or be comfortable using this kind of uh, 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 teaching method or pedagogy. I think that for me was my, my, my colleagues. And I'm not sure we, we will be able to win them over or we have answers to their questions or concerns. But yeah, that was the people I was thinking about. And from you, Kim? The, the challenges? Yeah. Hmm. I think, I mean, there's a general challenge with all kinds of learning. It's like, what do you choose? What modes, what methods, activities? Uh, I think that's just a common nature of trying to come up with a course that meets the needs of our current students. And that will always be a case. Um, but specifically for blended learning is... Uh, I think two things is is finding the right balance of what to put online, uh, what to keep in class, um, making sure that both teachers and students are not overburdened. So from the student's perspective is that it's not too much online or, or what they do online, is it, is it uh, simple enough for them to follow independently? And from the teacher's perspective, I guess, um, not not just the ones that, perhaps are not as technologically sorry technologically uh, uh, <laughs> I have the same uh versed you're talking about uh, me kin <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> maybe <laughs> yes <laughs> um no it's just uh, it's sort of not not overburdening the the teacher uh with with a perhaps a new method or something that has a steep learning curve or, or you know it, i think it's just finding that right balance that that makes the job easier i think 
there's a lot of work that needs to be, th- there's a lot of thought. You might look at the activity or the lesson material and think, hey, well, no, that looks simple, but there's a lot well, of thought. There's that a goes lot into of that. thought that always goes behind that. And uh, I mean, for myself, I always think that, you know, one of the big pedagogical challenges is the idea of student autonomy because there is a lot more student autonomy or expectations that we have of students to uh, be more independent. And I think largely it's because they do a lot of lessons or at least half of the lessons um, outside of the classroom and we can't actually look and see what they're doing. I'm wondering, are you worried about this this uh, change in approach or this development in approach? For myself, I, I sometimes worry that, you know, how how do we impart this to students? How do we, is it a change of culture? And particularly in Hong Kong, are we going against the grain? These are sort of big issues I know. Any ideas here? Yes, why would you say it would be going against the grain for the local students? I think, I'm not sure, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think it's already happening, right? This blended learning or you know, online learning is already happening with, I mean, look, Kin's little boy, <laughs> it's already doing some sort of uh, online. Oh, no, it's not just some sort of, it's, it's, he had three weeks of Zoom classes. Yeah, yeah. well, the, the, positives are that, the positives are that the students are familiar with online technology. The, the part that I always get worried about is that students are also used to very clear expectations and outcomes so that you know unfortunately in in the past maybe it still goals on um, students expectations are simply that the teacher gives them the information or the lesson and then they have very clear expectations of what to do with it and while we do have that of course with uh, blended learning that element of independence where you might have a open ended uh, approach there's no correct answer do you think that might be a problem for local culture or maybe i've got it completely wrong i don't see major problem with the students i think we always underestimate our students right they they're fast learners they they're flexible they adapt uh, as long as we the providers the writers of materials like you say make things clear like you know what is the learning objective what's the outcome and i think if students see where they're going where they're heading towards with all this task technology activities shouldn't be a huge problem Should, shouldn't mm, i'm not i'm not, I'm not worried was, yeah <laughs> yes rebecca yeah. no I, i think if if rebecca was here she would probably say uh, here i am speaking for her even though she's <laughs> that it really comes down to the course design doesn't it 
And if you, if you have a very good course design that all the elements fit into each other, then that in itself should be motivating exactly. um, to students. Exactly. And, I, and I think, uh, and this is, sorry for the pun, it's finding the right blend. And, and that's not just about <laughs> oh, on, on <laughs> it's not just about the, the, the online and the face-to-face part. It's just the, the, the nature of all the teaching activities that we can provide, where the, some are more open than others and some are more structured, where we can help the ones with lower proficiency, but also try and facilitate some more thinking beyond the question. Um, I think we, we all want to find the right blend, as it were. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to say early on. It's like, I, I'm always mindful of this statement that I, I, I keep hearing in workshops, seminars that, you know, that, that, that I have attended about blended learning, all these is we, we must be very careful not to use the tools just because we want to use the tools, right? Like what exactly we've got to look at our, our student uh, ability what they need and then yes get the right blend as in your coffee mix yes now i think i need a cup of coffee <laughs> oh you know what for, for all of my life i've been listening to people talking about coffee and how they need their coffee in the morning or they need the right blend and i don't know what anyone's talking about because i've never drunk a cup of coffee oh my, my goodness never tried it yes never tried it or I you tried, tried it and you don't I like tried it i tried a teaspoon of coffee once and it was so vile i never touched it again was it instant coffee i think it was cappuccino something oh, like that but okay. no oh well if you don't like cappuccino then yeah no no <laughs> that's it, like it, exactly so. that's the vanilla <laughs> yeah Kin, coffee, Kin, so. we've got to convert her huh we've got to convert oh, no, many yes. people have tried to convert me but i i, I don't think i could really touch <laughs> the stuff there so do you think um how do you think our fellow teachers will respond to the course once it comes out you think they'll there'll be some resistance to change or does it come down to, again, if it's a good course and well-structured, it should be well-received? I think, well, I am always very positive and optimistic. Um, but I think Keen, Rebecca, both of them, they've done good, a good job in terms of making sure that at every step in our course's design, we consult we collect feedback, we make revisions, we make adjustments at even you know, at the very beginning of the design of the curriculum. And we are very sensitive and uh, we acknowledge, we ask for people's concerns. And I think CLE or our colleagues have been very, very helpful in this area. We have very frank discussions with some of our colleagues you know where they've told us what they think about our ideas so i think right kin with with all this very careful planning consulting feedback changes uh well this is our strategy actually that hopefully by the time we we pilot next year people would have heard enough about what we're doing that they know what we are planning and they have a, a taste they're probably looking forward yeah 
exciting. Yeah. 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 Uh, result is. Yep, that's the optimist in me thinking. So what do you think in the end, what would be the benefit for teachers in, in teaching these kind of courses? Sorry, what was that? Text? What would be the benefit of uh, teaching, um, you know, these new courses that they haven't had before for teachers? So, for example, if I'm a teacher now, I'm teaching a current course. Uh, it's either in the classroom or on Zoom, as as it is at the moment. And now I'm going to be teaching blended learning. What what's in it for me? That you think? I, I think Kin can sell you that. Kin can tell you exactly why you should be teaching on uh, these new courses next year, right, Mr. Tang? <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> At least there is the positive and optimistic one. I'm, I'm a bit more of a realist than pragmatic approach. What? Um, <laughs> um, hey. Because I, I know that, that this is a big change and there are a lot of people who not necessarily resist, but are not used to this kind of um, teaching uh, or this kind of method. Um, and, it, and it requires, a, I guess, a lot of, um, I guess, understanding the materials, understanding why we're doing it. And um, this is why, you know, we, we always, there's three things that, well, two major things that we think about when, when whenever we're planning the materials or planning the course design is, is from the, first and foremost, from the student's perspective, is this what they need? Is this what they can um, achieve? And then uh, teachers, sort of equally important because the teachers are the one who will be delivering these materials on how will the teachers feel when they do this? Um, and also the third one is the course big coordinators. Question, yeah, but the big question that teachers would would always have is, will this um, mean more work for me? Ex exactly. That's that's our key concern, and we're we're trying to sort of balance that. That it, it will be different work, but hopefully more meaningful and uh, uh, um, for the students uh, that will be able to sort of get the teacher on board, and, uh, and we plan training workshops we've already sort of introduced the course to uh teachers either via uh an in-house conference uh, or also for feedback as well so they say they, they all know that we're we're going in that direction the second is sort of just to get down to the materials and sort of training workshops but i think in terms of the benefit well it's a different approach right there are different ways for doing things and i think it's, whether it's blend learning or not, or whatever pedagogy, I think it's always things to be learned by doing new things. Don't have to be different sometimes. Some of the things are we've we've used because they're tried and tested, and they're what the students need. So um, it, it's kind of hard to to say that. But I, I I think what what has helped one positive thing from COVID from the protests is that we all had to move online. And we've yes. almost coming up to it. Wow, I can't believe this. this it's the end of September now. So from last November, it's almost been a whole year. And I feel that we've like it's everything really accelerated online. the process, hasn't it? Exactly. And, and, yeah. and it's almost, I guess the word is forced in a way. Yeah. Teachers to think, how do I teach a lesson online? All right. It's not how I do it in the face-to-face -face classroom. So I think a lot of these questions have been raised by because we have to do it. We we have no choice. 
and it, and, it, and it comes to things, okay, well, uh, if my lower proficiency students, I can't give them a whole text to read online. I mean, they, they, they should do that outside of class in their own time, in their own pace, uh, look up words when they can. Uh, and, and whereas previously in the classroom would have, okay, we're trying to get through that in maybe 40 minutes, but for some students, it might take an hour or two. So yes, if we sort of try and really the, uh, exactly know, and, 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 students. And, and then we can use the time online for discussion, for practice, for application of things. So, so, um, you know, a lot of people think, Oh, blended learning or technology. I think it's just trying to find like, oh, maybe I should use the right mix <laughs> of, of, <laughs> yeah. of what would suit and fit the need of a student, regardless of the technology and all these these you know terms of pedagogy. I think I think we ultimately we want to make sure that we can fit the needs of the student. Mm. I think Tess, I, so what that I benefits want, the teacher. Yeah, teacher. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Um, thinking of your question, why would you say why would a teacher want to teach on our our new courses, right? So that gets me thinking as a teacher. So I. I mean, that, that's what I am. I think I'm first and foremost a teacher. You know, that's, that's how I see myself. So if you ask me, oh, why would I want to teach on this course? I guess it's because the way that it's structured, I will have my very valuable face-to-face in-class time with my students doing things, you know, activities we have discussions we do things together and communicate and you know feedback right away so i feel that with this the way that our courses are structured my time in class with my students are going to be so well spent i'm going to enjoy the time with them they're going to enjoy the time with me with their peers right and all the other okay just for me <laughs> very tedious mundane input you know the teaching yes, points uh, though those are now out of class organized in a very easy to follow way students do things they get feedback online you know with all the high-tech stuff that kin <laughs> is planning for them that's so right I think that's why oh i would love to do this course now as a teacher wow all these things that i don't really particularly like to teach in class they're all done before the students come in and then when they come in i have their total attention and we can enjoy you know our activities we can enjoy each other's the learning experience the learning experience there i think that it would be my main takeaway well i'm telling you lisa you're selling it to me Woo! i'm getting <laughs> i'm thinking hey i would like to do this <laughs> thank you <laughs> maybe i should change my uh, job and go and sell something <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's really part of our jobs uh, uh, as teachers but you did raise a point kim that just made me think a little bit more about it when you said that um, the lower proficiency students could then do the out of class work a bit more at their pace, could there be a danger though that, for example, that high proficiency students would uh, would spend less time on their out of class work than the 
lower proficiency students so that in fact if we're selling a course that is let's say three hours a week it actually turns out to be four hours a week for lower proficiency students and perhaps two hours a week for higher proficiency students is this a real danger or not so as i said i think i think it comes down to the course design you know pitching the right materials for the appropriate ones to the right students and obviously higher proficient we see one students we can we can choose some more difficult tasks and that will take a bit i mean time is a is a diff, is, is a hard one to quantify i mean some students might spend 20 minutes because they that's all they need all right but the, the quality of work doesn't suffer because of it uh, others uh, might might take a bit more time or maybe you know don't don't have the time they only want to spend 20 minutes uh, so i think it's a hard question to sort of answer in terms of whether um whether they i think the key question is is is, is choosing the right materials that will challenge each different type of student in a different way i think that's again what we're we're trying to do now that we have four courses so when we looked at the two courses thing that the problem there was like how, how do we try and fit all these needs of all the students yeah. coupled together all right and it's not like we wanted to write four courses but then four courses might have been the, the logical way to try and address each different student's needs you know at times i feel that we're you know we're living through extraordinary times it's uh I know that seems like a cliche, but it really is true. And when you look, look at what we're doing with the e-course and we're working on, you know, different approach, do you feel that we're, we're doing an extraordinary thing? We're looking at a cutting edge of, of what's happening now or not really? Because I do. I, I see it that way, yeah. I see that as we're writing the materials for the courses, and I think, what kind of impact, real impact, would this have on students? And in some ways, I think that the real impact is that we've, we're now at the right time, at the right place to be able to open up their minds. At the end of the day, I, I would like my students to say, well, this was an interesting course, but there was a lot more that I could have uh, learned about, or there was more that I could have done, or there's more that I want to know about. And I feel that we have that real opportunity with this kind of design. Mm. I think, Tess, what you're saying here, you might be offending some of the the old farts like myself in the profession. <laughs> oh, I probably I, am, but yeah. expand, expand a little bit more. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't like to claim that we're doing anything terribly innovative, right? In this new courses, in this new curriculum. Ah, but let me clarify a bit. It's not so much that we're doing something so innovative. I, 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 I know what in you that, mean. We're in that, mean. that kind of era. Mm. So we're part I, of what's Absolutely. Because my initial reaction was like, mm, 
cutting edge. Not really, as as Lisa mentioned, it's, we're not we're not reinventing the wheel. But I think what you've said is um, because I think we've been stuck in our materials writing hole for a bit too long, and we haven't really stepped back and thought about it. And and um, I think when we do step back and think about it, not necessarily just education per se, but the whole world is changing at the moment. It has yeah. changed so quickly at the moment that that you know if you think about it all of the online teaching online business uh, meeting uh, work from home it, it i don't That's think anybody it is mind-boggling i don't think yeah. anybody two years ago could have said oh the whole world could do that if this happened exactly, exactly. Right? maybe the people in technology would say yes we can do it but yeah maybe but not others to we've, we've had maybe not to the, yeah yeah, a huge exactly. learning curve. And, and, and I'm sure if you asked myself and, and my colleagues and teachers, you'd be doing a whole year online. And you go, no, we can't do language lessons online. You know, we need the classroom. And, and it's I true, we do that. need the classroom. Yeah, We do need the classroom. But when push comes to the shove, we got shoved and we've done it. And I think a lot of us have gained and benefited and developed from it. And, and you, you're right, if we take this sort of holistic and big picture guess it's not that we're it's cutting edge in terms of wow it's all in, innovative but um this is a a wave of change a big one a big a big jump that uh yeah well there are some real in, innovative things going on so for example instead of um maybe asking the class what do you what do you think about this particular issue or give a response to it now we can do things like polling right or use mentimeter to get students to get their phone out and just um, do that i think the other day i was uh, creating a word map so that not only could i just ask the uh, students what are these what are three key words that you would associate with a subject now we know what the most, what the, um, the predominant keyword is. So everyone can see, oh, yes, we all think alike or we don't. So just going back, but, sorry to, oh, sorry. I'll, I'll let you respond, Ken. And no, I, 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 was think, I was thinking that these, these things were sort of happening in certain classrooms anyway. Yes. Um, with, with Google Docs and Shared Docs. And, uh, you know, um, I remember teaching a class when I sat, I mean, they're all in the classroom, but they're all working on a shared document together. And nobody was talking, but they were all working. They were all collaborating. Yeah, they were I all doing that. Yeah. So I was, I was just amazed. It's like you, you, you sort of all work together. I mean, I set the template and the form, but nobody's talking, but you're all working on the same goal. And you somehow intuitively going in the right direction without any particular communication with each other verbally in face-to-face. -face. So... I think it's 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 been happening and it's been but this 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 glass year has just accelerated everything yeah i i, I think. think yeah i i think what tests and kenya's saying i i'm not sure but i just got a feeling that i think our younger there i go again age our younger colleagues they I think they've already, you know, they're, they're using these kinds of, uh, yeah, technology methods, methods, yeah, tools, tools yeah. in in their own classes already. Uh, so that that's why I sort of contradicted you and said, oh, no, but 
But going back to the age thing, mm. um, forget <laughs> you and I, we're, we're in that the same age group. Yes, yes, 20s, right? Yeah. That's right. We're now in our 20s. 20s. Just, just past your teen, teenage years. Teenage years. <laughs> yes. and, and now in our 20s. Uh, what do you think is the contribution that uh, we could make that uh, who are not as technologically savvy? As ah. ah, I know the answer to this. Right. Oh, well, I would love uh -huh. to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can be the guinea pigs. We can tell all these very savvy and you know, technologically savvy colleagues, younger colleagues of ours, what we old dogs, what our fears, our concerns, you know, and I think that will help them sort of not thumb their noses at us and say, ha, ah, you don't know this. Yeah, I don't know where, what button do I push? <laughs> How I've do never I... done that in my life, Lisa. Oh, God. I had to thumbs up. <laughs> oh, no. Neck. Oh, you're asking, just asking. I am always texting as a kid. How do I ooh, get rid of that uh, in the document? So I think to your question, Tess, we these young in our 20s can help our colleagues who are more savvy to tell them our concerns hey slow down you know this is what we're really worried about uh, yes it's a real fear concern and then i think from there we have a better 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 understanding and, and i think that that's how it works with me that's but why we I also we also give context i think because we can we can say to students oh this is how you're doing it now but have you considered you know where did it come from because i think one of the big uh, i don't know if it's a problem but one of the big characteristics of modern society is that we can we there's a tendency towards being ahistorical meaning that whatever is here now is what always was but if you have, if you can sort of explain to students, well, this wasn't always here. Um, not simply to say talk about the good or the bad old days, but to give them some context to see, uh, you know, what what were the issues in the past? Why, uh, you know, why did technology come about? Because technology must have served a a need, a human societal need. That's that's how. I uh, think about it, and we just still going back, users, huh, Tess? <laughs> yes, that's right. And going back to technology, I like what you said. <laughs> My, I have two sons, and <laughs> I lo recently lost a, a lot a laptop to my youngest one because when he came to visit and he saw it, he said, he said, "Mum, you know what? That's too that's too complicated and too hard for you to use. I think you'll have to give it to me." because you won't be able to use this <laughs> of course i could use it but i gave it to him anyway <laughs> but it's a good trick <laughs> that they use it's lie. <laughs> yeah wait wait till your kids grow up kin they'll be, oh, they'll be trying oh, all those tricks that already my my six year old is already very averse to negotiations wow. <laughs> i know he knows, they learn, he knows. Really fast. They learn very fast now yeah. <laughs> they're so smart kids aren't they well uh thank you so much i think maybe we've come to the end but um 
Is there anything that you would like to add that you can think about uh, in our discussion today? I found it very interesting. Thank you. Thank you. Simply because while I'm on the team, I I felt that you know talking to you today, I, I I felt a little bit more clarification in some areas. Okay. Ah, so that's how it works. So that's what I'm doing. What do you mean now? You have been unclear this whole while, Jess. <laughs> no, but you get a bigger takes time. A bigger picture. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but we haven't really had an opportunity to sort of talk about it it's, it's all been sort of guess, uh, workshop talk right you know do we've got to do this we've got to do yes, that rather than that's right. sort of just we, sitting around and uh, and just we get just too involved talking. we get so yeah. involved in the smaller picture that sometimes you need a just to step back and say ah so this is the big picture perhaps so Tess, do you think we all are doing a good job on this project oh my gosh you you you're all doing a phenomenal <laughs> job no, not a good job, but a phenomenal. That's a very good I, note I, to end on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just just trying to keep up. That's what I'm doing. Oh, we all are. No, no. We all are, yes. We're all trying to keep up with our brain, Rebecca. Yeah, the brains, right? The brains. Oh, yes. Yeah. She, she's, oh. she's definitely the brains of the operation. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for um, your time today. Pleasure. And, um, no problem. Absolute pleasure. Yep, and we'll uh, be seeing each other very soon. Oh, yes. Thanks for that show, Tess and Levi. It's great to have you two back for a second year of Teachers Live. This podcast is a collaborative effort from the Center for Language Education at the Hong Kong University of Science and Technology, the Center for Applied English Studies at the University of Hong Kong, and the English Language Center at the Hong Kong Polytechnic University. If you like this episode and you want to make sure you don't miss our future episodes, please be sure to subscribe using the podcast application of your choice. We also appreciate your support in the form of subscriptions and likes on all the other major social media platforms. Just go to teacherslift.com for links. Thanks again for joining us. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. For now, take care. Bye-bye.